is Matt Leiner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scrap, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is five and seven and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is the CarCast coming to you after USC's 41-17 drubbing of the California Golden Bears at Cal Memorial Stadium in Berkeley. We're going to give you our first reactions to USC's seventh win of the season. They're now 7-4, and 6-2 in conference with one game left against the UCLA Bruins next week at the Coliseum. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratol. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. This is a true car cast. It is. Tr- true as true as uh, true car cast can be, uh, we are in a car. Uh, do we want to tell people where we are? We are in a car in a Costco parking lot. Yeah, a Costco in Fremont. Yeah. Um, we got Carl's Jr., Okay, first of all, we need to discuss this. My, uh, my great sin. People, so, people. So, so let, I'm, let, let, me, let, let me tell a story. Okay. All right, I got it. I was going to set the stage that I'm driving. Yes, you're, you're so driving. So I had to order from the drive-in. You had to order from the... It's called a drive-thru. See, okay. strike two. Strike two I already. Mean, I'm just failing all over the place. 100%. So yep. she goes up to the window, I mean, the to the speaker... And she orders chicken nuggets to Carl's Jr. I fail to see what the problem with that is. Because they're called chicken stars. Everyone knows that they're <laughs> chicken stars. Well, they are chicken stars, but like you can order them. They're, they're chicken nuggets. Like They know what you're talking about. They're not chicken nuggets. They're chicken stars. I mean, okay. They are chicken nuggets in the shape of stars. They're chicken stars. Chicken stars. They are chicken nuggets, though. When you go to uh, McDonald's and you want, you're like, uh, I'll take the burger with the with the extra piece of bread in the middle. Like, no, you're like, uh, give me a Big Mac. Right, but I'm ordering a, a Big Mac. Uh, I, I ordered chicken nuggets from McDonald's. I ordered chicken nuggets from Jack in the Box. I ordered chicken nuggets from Burger King. I but they're chicken not nuggets. chicken nuggets at Carl's Jr. They're chicken stars. They're literally called chicken stars. See, this is what happens when USC wins a game that doesn't actually make us angry. We find something else to argue about. Chicken stars. She won't call them chicken stars, people. <laughs> but let's talk about the stars of this game, USC. Uh, and the offense uh, and the defense. Uh, I, I said it to you as we were walking out of the, the stadium. This was USC's first 60-minute game. We've talked about it before. We've had arguments about it. What is USC's best game to date? You can say it's Stanford. You can say it's Arizona. I think it's you. Heck, you could even make the arguments Notre Dame. Uh, I think it's very clearly it was Cal. And I, I wrote it on Ranatory.com. The reason is because SC threw for 406 yards with Keaton Slovis. Uh, he completed 29 of 35 passes, threw four touchdowns. He had complete control of the passing game, 100%. Uh, Justin Wilcox said it in the post game. They he the as good as USC's receivers were. 
Keaton was so good at just buying time for them to win their 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 battles, and that completely put Cal behind the eight ball in the secondary, and makes which makes me think like, is that how Keaton would have beaten BYU if, if they played today, just by just by being patient and waiting out the zone defense to allow his receivers to win those battles because he did that tonight. He threw four hundred six yards. He looked great doing it. Uh, on offense from the beginning to the very end, SC never relented on offense. They never went through a spell where they had five drives in a row that looked bad. Uh, on defense, they so you know they they threw the ball around against the secondary that we think is good uh, in Cal secondary, and on the other side of the ball, they they took advantage of a bad Cal offense. That's what you're supposed to do. Good teams. Beat good systems, and they take advantage of bad ones. That's what SC did in this game on both sides of the ball. It's what you wanted to see all season long. Why did it take game 11 for them to put together 60 minutes? Uh, the Arizona game was very good. Um, the Stanford game was very good for the last mm, 50 minutes. But like this one, 60 minutes start to end, fantastic. Yeah, and and really, I'm I'm with you in the sense of why did it take so long, and why has it? I put on Twitter like, what was the last road game that USC had that was this routine? Uh, I, I mean, it might be ASU in 2017, but even this was more routine than ASU in 2017. That had a, that had a moment in which it was a little harrowing. Because there was right? like that, the, the, Hail the Hail Mary, Mary and yeah. the whole drama over that, yeah. So this was the kind of win that USC used to do and that they haven't been able to accomplish pretty much since 2016. I think 2016, um, the like Oregon and Cal games in 2016, those these were... Comfortable, like, these are teams that maybe they're good, maybe they're not, whatever they are. USC just trounces them, tramples them. And the nice thing about this game was that this was a game where we thought it's going to be a defensive battle because Cal's offense is god-awful. You predicted Cal to win. Yeah, I predicted Cal to win in ugly, ugly fashion because I didn't trust USC's offense. Certainly not against this defense. This defense has been great all year. Um, they they have the the team Cal's team has struggled. They lost four games in a row, but they didn't have their quarterback, and their defense was still holding teams to you know twenty you know I, the in the in the losses they they allowed twenty four points, seventeen points, twenty one points, and then they gave up thirty five points to Utah. But Utah is playing the best football in the conference, and that was at Rice Eccles, and you sort of understood how that happened. They just held Washington State to 20 points. And going into this game, we knew that USC's offense was unreliable. We knew that USC's offense was the kind of uh, of offense that you couldn't put any faith in. And yet USC goes in and just trounces them. And I just looked it up. The last time that Cal gave up 40 points, I mean, they've only given up, they've only given up 40 points once in the last two years outside of this game. They were beat by Oregon, forty-two to twenty-four. That was in September of twenty eighteen. They have not allowed another team to score forty points, forty-one points, the way that USC has in this game 
since then. Like, this is a legitimate defense. This this defense, as bad as Cal has been at times, it's not been because the defense is bad. Yeah. And for USC's offense to go out and then put up that kind of performance, that is the most encouraging thing we've seen all year. Because beating Stanford, we looked at it and said, this is a teaser. We don't trust it, right? Just enjoy it while you can. Beating Arizona was like, well, that's great, but Arizona's trash, so, you know... Uh, that was fun, but also it but, doesn't but really that mean much. First quarter, SC started with four three and outs, right? And yeah. So there were, it was the offense didn't exactly like they pulled away late, but it was yeah. The, it wasn't the 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 best offensive performance. Yeah. Where this one was way better on offense. Uh, they did the thing everyone had been clamoring for. They deferred. Yes. Uh, SC comes out and defers. They gave up a touchdown on the first drive of the game. Christian but, Rector goes out with a targeting. Ended up not mattering because SC was just so good in this game. Yeah. But, like, they defer and they take. They do the thing that I like, which is bookending the half with touchdowns. You take control of this game. And in this game, it killed off the game. Yeah. Because once you win, it was 10-10. Late in the second quarter, at that point, it's anyone's game, right? As soon as they score the touchdown before the half, and they come right back down again, 50-yard pass play to to Michael Pittman, and then there's the, the touchdown pass to, to Drake London, the game was over. At that point, you knew deep in your heart of hearts there was no way Cal was scoring 24 points in this game. No way. No. Not, certainly not, with certainly, Monster, certainly not, not when, when Jace Carver's went they out. Looked, and as... You know that SC lets teams back in, but it never felt in a million years like that was going to happen tonight because they were in control the whole way. And it's like, you know, I, I saw this on Twitter, people mentioning like the YOLO raid. This was not even the YOLO raid on offense because Keaton Slovis had so much control of this game. USC's defense had control of this game. It but- was It was in a lot of ways the bizarro world of how SC plays because I can only think of one moment in this game, two moments. In which I think that you can you can say, well, SC was just bad at that. And one of them was the Josh Follow and Sportsmanlike penalty on the second drive. Totally, totally. Completely kills off the yeah. drive. Th- that's the dumb mistake that SC will make 15 times a game. Yeah. The one glaring one there. Uh, and then the other one you can think of is on the first drive of the game, they let Cal just walk all over him with, with Chase Garbers. If you're going to do that, allow them to score on that first drive and don't do it again. But that drive is also um, you, you, that that drive is also aided by penalties, questionable penalties, and you know I I like the way that USC's defense responds to that. Uh, well, question: Are you talking about the PI on Chris Steele? That was incredibly obvious. Well, I'm talking about the targeting penalty that ejected USC's defensive captain. It was a good call. He, was it? He, he led with the crown of his helmet. It's it, That's one of those things, be mad at the rule, not the call. Well, I am mad at the rule. I hate that rule. Um, it's the stupidest rule. Uh, there are... The, I understand, just to go on a tangent, I understand the desire to make it seem like they care about head injuries and all that kind of stuff, but also the rule is dumb. It punishes the wrong thing. It doesn't actually fix the thing that they're talking about because in this game, you have a player carted off the field on a play that was not targeting, on a play that did not result in an ejection. So which of those hits was more damaging to the health of players? Like, what Christian Rector did was textbook. I mean, like if you think about it, who was it the um who was the the player who decapitated the Michigan 
guy in the backfield. Uh, what was his name? Um, Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney. Like you could like eject Jadavion Clowney for just whatever what he did in that by the same sort of logic by the same idea. Like that was Christian Rector making a hell of a play and he gets punished for it, which is very very um, annoying for sure and and the kind of thing that just. I just, it just bugs the crap out of me. Um, and, and you're now talking about like a Christian Rector who is a senior playing the final couple of games of his career and he gets ejected on like the second play of the game. Like, come on guys, this is dumb. Yeah. Uh, I, but that's, but that's I, just I, my I little it, but, tangent. But, that, but that's just, it's the rule. But it's like, the rule. It's, it's the right call. Yeah. Well, again, the rule is dumb. Um, I think I sort of agree with that, but either way, it's the kind of thing where that just... That bugs me, but at the same time, that USC's defense, I thought, responded well and didn't let that get out of hand and, and sort of came back out and made their stop that they needed to on the next drive. And USC's offense, for once, put their foot on someone's throat. And this is something that we talked to, to players about after the game, where I think somebody asked Drake Drake Jackson, like, did were you guys able to feed off of the performance of your offense? And he said, absolutely. Like that 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 was a big thing. So the kind of thing that we've been talking about for ages. I know that the defense didn't have the big, the big um, like task in this game because Cal's offense is so limited. But you see what can happen when your offense is rolling, and how your defense goes out there and and makes their stops, drive after drive after drive and allows you to pull away. It just makes a big difference to have a complete performance where your special teams isn't screwing you over, offense is rolling, and defense is doing their job. Yeah, 100%. That A welcome sign for USC to finally put that together for 60 minutes. I'm going to take a quick break, come right back, and talk more about USC's win. 41-17 over the Bears. We'll be right back. All right, Alicia, let's talk about the two big players of this game, Keaton Slovis and Michael Pittman. Uh, was this Keaton Slovis's best game for you, or is it still the Stanford game? Was Stanford too perfect? This was a better game because he was facing pressure, sacked three times, pressured a hell of a lot more than that. He's on the road, and he's facing a much, much better defense than Stanford, and to put up 406 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions— QB rating of 218, 29 of 35. That's, no, like it doesn't, this was just outstanding. Outstanding. And I remember the Stanford game, I remember we had conversations about like how you can't expect this to be Keaton Slovis every week. Like this might be his perfect game. And the really nice thing is that he has proven that, yes, we were right in the sense that the next week he comes out and throws three interceptions. But at the same time, it wasn't his perfect game. It wasn't his high ceiling because he's now proven he can do that against a legitimate defense. He can do it against Cal. He can do it for a quarter against against ASU. Yeah. Like he can repeat that, which is I think it's a testament to the offense, it's a testament to the players around him. It's a testament for him to be able to get the ball to his players. I and this is why it's not the Yolo raid because if it was the Yolo raid, it would just be Michael Pittman, you know, making incredible catches. It would just be Amon Ross St. Brown making incredible catches. That wasn't what happened tonight. I mean, yeah, Michael Pittman did Michael Pittman things. Yeah. But it wasn't just that. I mean, so much of it was, uh, I, I think of the, the play 
in, in the in the um, the first quarter, where uh, on a third and long, Slovis buys time, buys time, buys time, buys time, rolls left, rolls left, moves up in the pocket, and just tosses a pass up to Drake London. Yeah, sure, you can say it's YOLO raid because you're just throwing a jump ball, but that's the kind of jump ball you're supposed to throw. Yes. A jump ball down on a broken play, you see Drake London, and you're like, just go. To a six foot five receiver. Yeah. yeah. Like, because if, if that ends up as an arm punt, who cares? Yeah. You don't want to throw the jump balls on plays that are not going to be uh, chances like that. I mean, I don't know how else to explain it, right? Yeah. Like that was that was one of those risks that you make. But this that's is... really one of the only risks that he made all game. Everything else he was throwing to wide open dudes that he he bought time for for them to get open, or like he's throwing to to Michael Pittman, and by the time the ball's in the air, Michael Pittman's free. Whatever it is, the the long shots downfield, he found ways to get it to his guys that wasn't just putting them in a make or break position. And those guys made plays, absolutely, but it was very much in control for Keaton Slovis. And we talk about Michael Pittman, 11 catches, 180 yards. He is now in the top 10 all-time at USC in terms of single-season catches. 82 catches for the season, over 1,000 yards. Only nine guys, nine seasons, actually, have ever been better in terms of catches for a USC receiver, and he's only going to go up that list. Uh, we could end up being talking about a Michael Pittman that has 200 catches at the end of the year. Uh, 200, 100 catches. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> I know it's the air raid, no, Michael. No, I was thinking but, he has uh, two games he, left. He has two more games. To, to get to 100, yeah. Yeah. But, like, which is, I don't think I ever would have thought that any of one of USC's receivers would get to 100 or even come close to 100. Given the circumstances of you've got to get the ball to, to, to Pittman, you've got to get it to, to Vons, you've got to get it to Amon Ra, and how are you going to get, distribute the ball to all of those guys and get somebody 100 catches? That's the situation where SC finds himself in because Michael Pittman's been so freaking good uh, on the season. And, you know, we had talked about it like if you're Cal, don't you want to take away Pittman, force them to beat you with Vons and Amon Ra and Drake London? You know, Tyler Vaughn was very limited in this game, barely played. Now it would have been the game for Cal to just completely take away Michael Pittman, and he still was a rock star. At what point, I, I put this on Twitter, but like, how is he not a Bolitnikoff favorite at this? Maybe not a favorite, but like, seriously in the, in the discussion. Well, that's what Clay Helton said after the game. You he look said, at his statistics, he's like top five nationally in all these stats. Yeah, Clay Helton said, you know, it's about time the nation starts paying attention to him as as uh, an award candidate. And that's absolutely true. And I think that we've already had discussions about, like, where does Michael Pittman rank among the great USC wide receivers? Certainly the great wide USC wide receivers of the last decade, right? I'm getting really close to saying he's ahead of Juju. He's almost... I'm getting really close. He's getting close to being ahead of Juju. Now... He has two, maybe on the off, off, off chance, he has three games to really solidify himself. But you look at it, you look at that UCLA game, that is an opportunity for Michael Pittman in a rivalry game to make his mark, to, to lay his to to lay his claim to some serious, serious clout in a very cloutful uh USC wide receiver um you know, uh decade or certainly this century, and it's hard to deny at this point. I mean, 
this this performance, 11 catches, 180 yards, and a touchdown. Like, he took over the game. Yeah. And I, I, I tweeted a few weeks ago that I tweeted a list of all the USC receivers who had ever had four games of 140 receiving yards. He has four games of 100 receiving yards this season. Yeah. Not just career. Like, this season. Juju never did it in his entire season. Yeah. His entire career. He, he, he never had... He never had four 140-yard games. He had three. And here's Michael Pittman, and he's already got four this season, which is just insane. It's, it's just so great to see Michael Pittman like live up to what we thought he could be. Because I remember Michael Pittman yeah. came in, and we're like, man, this this kid is super talented. And He, he got... didn't have the, the freshman season that Drake London's had. No, but he didn't get as many opportunities. He didn't play as much. Right. Uh, he mostly featured on special teams, and then when he was a sophomore, it's like, okay, what is he going to... Is he going to have a breakout? And he looked good, but like he still looked limited. He still had a slow start. He, he was battling injuries, too. As a junior, we're looking at him going like, man, you see the flashes, but he can't put together consistency. Can we see consistency from him as a senior? And the honestly, the, his senior season didn't exactly start out like he's going to lay his claim to become one of the best USC wide receivers of the century. And part of that was because USC is figuring out, figuring out this offense, targeting different receivers, and depending on how the defense goes and all that kind of stuff. But now, like you said, teams have every reason to put a blanket over Michael Pittman and they're still not able to shut him down because he is just on another level. He's like beast moding it out there. And that's the incredible thing. The, the not, not incredible gratifying is that we knew he had this talent all along and he is somebody who is maximizing that talent at this point. And that's, you know what? That's the thing about this game. This game was one of those games where you feel like, okay, guys are maximizing their talent out there. Keaton is maximizing his talent. Michael Pittman is maximizing his talent. Drake London is maximizing his talent. Um, you're getting contributions from Keenan Kristen. And on the defensive line, you're getting pressure. And your safeties are generating uh, interceptions. And your nickel is generating interceptions. And all of these guys who we knew we could make play, who, who we knew we could make plays are making those plays in a road game against a tough opponent, or at least a, a difficult opponent. And that's all we've been waiting for, is for USC to just put those things together. And it's it's been very frustrating for a couple of years now that they haven't done it ever. They haven't put that together ever. But in this game, you come out of this game and, like, I, I just... I Like, I came out of this game... And I, uh, walking over to the interviews and stuff, I was telling someone, like, I don't feel angry leaving a USC game for the first time in, uh, that I can remember in a while. Where I'm walking out here, like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not seething. I'm not getting ready to, like, I'm not, like, thinking in my head, well, what am I going to be ranting about when we get to the car cast? Like, I was sitting there going, like, I'm going to get in this car cast and all I'm going to be able to say is good things about the players. Yeah, and but why did it take 11 games? Well, plus, plus 11, you know, 11 games plus all of last season and all that kind of stuff. And and really, you know, on if we're going to do like a a micro analysis, Graham Harrell could certainly argue that this was just the culmination of needing to get the quarterback established, get the offense rolling, 
so that everyone's, you know, comfortable I, and all I that can, kind of stuff. I can buy those excuses from Graham Harrell. I can't buy them from any other coach. This is true. Yeah. Because, like, Graham Harrell signed up. He didn't sign up to, to have a third-string quarterback and to lose all his running back. He didn't sign up for that. Um, SE has so much talent, they can weather a lot of that, and we've seen that. But at the same point, like, I can understand... You know, those excuses work for him. They don't work for Clay because we've seen this, this stuff over and over and over right. again. So, yeah, maybe. But, but like, like we've talked about so much, especially these last four games. Against Colorado, against Oregon, against ASU. So those three games. The only reason that SC wasn't scoring points throughout was because they were imploding their own drives. Yeah. Tonight, they didn't do that save for that follow uh, that follow penalty. Like well, they, they were allowing a... their drives to finish. The only other drive that I can think of that ends frustratingly is Slovis ha- having the pass break up by the ref. But yeah, who cares? <laughs> well, and this is what, what have I been saying for weeks? USC has fifteen killer mistakes every week, and if you just cut that in half, you would end up with uh, you would end up with an offense that's perfectly reasonable, and. Uh, tonight against Cal, they cut it into a quarter. Like, instead of 15, it was, I'm probably going to go through my rewatch and maybe there's three or four. But, like, that's the big difference. That's the big difference, playing mistake-free football for the most part. And that's what USC did. And it's not to say that there weren't mistakes. There certainly were. But, like, it was the kind of it's the kind of thing where you weren't killing yourself with mistakes. You weren't, um, you know, shooting yourself in the foot left and right with mistakes. And that's the thing is if like if USC had been doing this kind of performance more often over the last two years, we would be having very, very different conversations about the state of this program and the optimism or pessimism around the program and all of those kinds of things. And it's the rarity of this. It's, it's the fact that we can sit here going like, wow, wasn't that nice? Wasn't that a nice change of pace? Like this kind of performance shouldn't be a change of pace. This shouldn't be like a once in a blue moon kind of performance, but it, it has been. And, you know, I, I guess if you want to, like, take the positive from it, it's proof that USC still has the players. And yeah. USC's players are still out there fighting to their credit. We talked after the Oregon game, like, is this the turning point? Is this the point that USC finally gives up on Helton? And over the last two weeks, we've seen absolutely not. They haven't given up on Hilton. And not only did, you know, last week had a lot of the same hallmarks that we've seen, but this game shows you that the players are still playing hard and they're still working to get better. They haven't shut down shop and given up on the season because if they had, they could not have been capable of that performance. So I think we need to credit the players for continuing to, you know, fight on. Yeah, as 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 uh, corny as that might be, it's really encouraging to me that we can still, as frustrating as the program, the the state of the program is right now. Like, the best thing about it is that I come out of this game liking the players for once. Like, honestly, too. Like, there were some cool moments in this. The, can I just talk about some of the cool moments in this game from the sideline? So. Before the game, Mike Bone was hanging out on the sideline. <laughs> Mike Bone. You can't do it. I can't. Who? Okay. Who? Mike Bone. Mike Bone. 
good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The struggle. You'll get uh, it at some point. Yeah. No, I won't. Um, oh, Jesus. Okay. So he's hanging out on the sideline. I'm trying to get pictures of him, all that kind of stuff. There are guys that are hanging out, USC fans that are hanging out uh, on the on the sort of um, right right over the, the top of the field. Um, what would you call the the first row? You know, at the fir- they're hanging out in the first row. I don't know. There's a there's a word for these things. Um, the first row. The first row, but like you know, they're sort of hanging over the wall. You know how like it's raised. The first row. Okay, fine. They're in the first row, and they start calling out to Mike Bone, and you know, like clapping him and cheering him and all that kind of stuff. So he waves at them, and then he finishes the conversation he's having with the, with the person he was having a conversation with. And he walks over to them and he gives them all, he shakes all their hands and they're telling him, you know, we're really excited to have you and all this kind of stuff. And he's, you know, mucking it up with them. And there are these, um, you know, three little, three little kids, like three young boys that are there with their dad. And he sees them and he shakes their hand and then he goes, you know, hang on, stay there. I got something for you. And he walks away and he comes back with a football, with a USC football, um, like one of the ones that they use for warm-ups or whatever. And he hands them to one of the kids, and he goes like, here, you, you take this, but uh, you have to promise that you're going to play catch with your dad with this ball. And like it was just like that. you could see the kid's face light up, all the, the guys around them, their face were lighting up. Like It was just a really heartwarming, great moment um, that was like the kind of thing where you wouldn't have expected to see that from Lynn Swan. You wouldn't have expected to see that kind of engagement. It was a great way to start the night in the sense of, at the very least, you feel confident in Mike Bone's passion for the job and love to just see what he's doing and that he is going to bring a different vibe. And that gives you, I think it gives me hope for the future. And then you think about like hope for the future from a, from a, a player standpoint. Elijah Griffin's walking off the field, walking down the stairs, down to the tunnel. And there are fans that want, um, you know, there's always fans asking for gloves or whatever. And so he hands off, you know, a sleeve to somebody. And then there's this, there's this little kid who's asked, you know, shouting like, can I get your gloves? Can I get your gloves? And he didn't have his gloves. So he gave him his headband. And the kid's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And next to that kid is there, there's this woman who's holding a hat. And she starts talking to, to OG and she starts breaking down crying. And he's like, you know, he was walking down the steps. He was halfway down the steps and he sees her crying. He walks back up and goes like, hey, what's, you know, what's wrong? And so she, then she she explained that her dad had died recently. And um, and so and so she gave him the hat and he asked the reporters that were all around. Anybody got a pen? And so he signed it and he gave her the hat back and she, you you could just tell she was super emotional. And he's like telling her like, hey, you're good. You're good. You got this. And like that, he didn't need to stop. He didn't need to stop. But that's who OG is. He's uh, a, a kid on this team who's extremely enthusiastic, almost as enthusiastic as he is talented. Um, maybe a little bit too, too, too much a little bit sometimes. Maybe he's had some boneheaded penalties. But he's also the the kid who's always dancing. 
and always got a smile on his face. Well, which is why, like, you know, fun twi- loving Twitter going insane about him dancing during the rector announcement. That like, was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Well, it was funny, but like, I didn't understand. Like, what is he? Uh, what's wrong with him? Like the the undisciplined. It's like that, that's that, no, that's that, who he is. Yeah, like, like just, just like a let, let him be him. Like he he's like a Dory in that sense, where he's just. Genuine, lighthearted, fun-loving, um, and you can see compassionate. Like, and you see that from a lot of USC's players. And I think that when you when you focus on that, like I know we can talk about all the problems that this program has, all that kind of stuff. But there are players who you genuinely can root for, and that you have those moments, and you got to sort of some sometimes focus on them. And what better time to focus on them than after a really emphatic win that? Literally, we have nothing to complain about. I have zero complaints about this game. I have zero ranting to do. Well, it started at 8 p.m. Well, uh, it's uh, it's, it's currently 2.09. Yeah. Even though, according to my laptop right now, it says 3.09 because it's 3.09. Arizona time? Arizona time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I it, w- it was a great game for SC. This is what you wanted to see. Uh, does it mean anything for Clay Helton? No, uh, I don't think so. Uh, um, can I... Uh, Start a conspiracy theory. Oh, here we go. Okay, let's say Clay Helton beats UCLA. He goes eight he, and four. He's got four losses. The four losses are fireable. He goes eight and four. He goes eight and four. I just, I don't think Utah's losing to to you Colorado. Don't bring in Mike Bone to sit on your hands. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying, eight and four is not an automatic fire for me. Should USC move on? Should USC get Urban Meyer? Should USC do all? Yes. But if you're USC's athletic department, if your head coach is 8-4 and four and he has an emphatic win over UCLA at the Coliseum, I'm just, I'm just putting we, it out we there. We had a good car cast. People were enjoying this. I know. Program. I know. I'm just, I've been pushing this narrative for a while, and I don't think, I don't okay, think okay. this is the likelihood. Be, be, be completely honest with I'm me. I'm just here. like, be, I'm preparing people for this possibility. Is this you saying this is possible, or you saying this should be the thing? This is me saying it's possible. Okay. Uh, Trust me, I don't... uh, As as much fun as tonight was, like, this has been so rare, I'm not going to, like, put the wool over my head and think that this is, like, the turning point of the era. No, it's not. I'm just saying, being the sort of devil's advocate here, does it mean nothing for Clay Helton? I don't think it's guaranteed to not mean nothing for Clay Helton because it's a road win, an emphatic road win against a California rival, and it moves Clay Helton one step closer to being 8-4, and four, which is a perfectly respectable uh, record when you consider that you've played three different quarterbacks— You've had, you've lost, you're down to your fifth stream running back. Uh, again, again, you can like, talk yourself. I'm not a, talking, I'm not trying to talk anybody into this. I'm not trying to talk I myself into it. I'm just saying that a person could talk themselves into it if they wanted to. So prepare yourself for this possibly, maybe, impacting Clay Hilton's job security. That's all I'm saying. The only way, I, I, again, the only way I see it is if Khalil Tate beats Utah. Or Stevie Montez beats Utah. Uh, Stevie Montez and LaVisca Chanel beat Utah. Yeah, what, and, and then, what, uh, what did you... Khalil, oh, Utah plays two more games. Yeah. That's true. Okay, yeah. yeah. They're not losing either of those games. No, they're but, not. But, like, yeah. if that happens, if Utah stumbles, 
and SC backs into the to the Pac-12 championship and gets Oregon and doesn't make the dumb mistakes they made against Oregon, and it's a completely different game, and they go to the Rose Bowl and all that stuff, like, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to that argument, but I, I'm not going to remotely buy into this thing at all. And I know you're not selling it. You're just saying, just beware. I get it. but I'm, d- I'm, I'm just saying, if, if you go for Urban Meyer and you get a no... What? Okay. You have a big buyout. All right. All we're, of the all of the good coaches right there. All we're of the good end. coaches that USC might want to target also have ginormous buyouts and just signed right. contract extensions. All right. We're just, gonna we're gonna just end saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, that's hey, gonna before before we stop. Forty one to seventeen. Forty one seventeen. USC won forty one to seventeen. Forty one seventeen. Uh essentially well it was forty one ten. Uh it well, let's just knock off both last touchdowns and say it was thirty four ten. Yeah. But still that's that's wonderful. I thought oh, I thought Keaton oh, was in one drive too long, by the way. I agree. I, I don't know why a lot of guys were in there too too long, but the last thing I wanna say, because I know it's it's late and we wanna wrap this up. Uh, the most encouraging thing about this game, if I'm a, if I'm, again, I'm not, but if you want to look at this from a Clay Hilton perspective, deciding to defer the kickoff, huge moment. Huge, huge moment. I hope they do it again against UCLA. Again, game 11. Yes, oh, absolutely. Way too little, too late. Yeah. But I want to see them do that against UCLA. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They should do that every game. Yes. But, yeah. Uh, SC wins 41-17. We'll be back in the Fallout episode uh, in a few days. Until then, you can always email us, randomtroyatfansire.com. Phone number, 213-373-1USA. What that the up. heck happened there? I don't know. What ha- okay. 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's Bruncho. I don't even know what 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 were the words what I, were the letters that coming might be out of your worse mouth? Worse than screwing up chicken stars. I mean, I'm just like you got me all flustered there. Oh god. I I I, I don't know what happened. We'll see you later. It's late. I mean, I know. Yeah. see ya. See ya. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.